Family Gaming Podcast. My name is Steven Dukes, and I'm your host as always. This is episode 249, and it's a board game episode. So, of course, I am joined, as always, on the board game stuff by my very good friend, the Mistress of Magnificence, otherwise known as Mom, Linda Roble. How are you? I'm doing well. So glad to be here. Thank you for being my adult before <laughs> we recorded i almost made a very frivolous and very stupid purchase and you helped save me from that so i appreciate it well it's my job i'm mom it's my job to say no no you can't do that (laughs) and this goes for anybody if you ever need mom to say no i'm saying no to you now no (laughs) you're saying no if you ever need mom you just 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 (laughs) just tweeted out what i wanted to do is i wanted to buy a football jersey from a football league that probably won't exist beyond maybe next year and you were like no that's absurd Um. (laughs) that is absolutely absurd steve and i was like yeah you're right and then i told her how much it was and she was like that's triple absurd true so yeah you're 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 the adult for me (laughs) uh, and i appreciate it so it's board game week. So specifically, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about the board games that you and I took a look at at the Boston Festival of Independent Games digitally. I want to add that specifically. We did not physically go to a convention space. Uh, don't come at us. And we actually went to a uh, a digital space. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, too, because you and I both had some really interesting interactions there. And then we're going to talk about some of the board games we saw, new and old. And yeah, so let's just get right into it and talk about the actual convention itself. It was run uh, on a, let's see here, it was run on a service called Gather.Town. And Gather.Town is more or less a digital gathering space, digital gathering space. And you basically create like a mock like eight to sixteen bit place and you can and people can walk around and there's proximity chat. So if you want to, you can just be open and just kind of walk by and talk to people in the same space. How wild was that, Linda? That was really weird. I have to be honest. When you first told me, hey, it's gonna be like a two D, you know, two D video game moving around, I was a little nervous because that's not quite my style. And I was afraid it'd be challenging for me to move around. Um, but it was very intuitive for most of it. I did little learning curve to figure out like where to find the videos when you got to a booth and just little things like that. Yep. But really neat to walk around. Um, if you didn't want to talk to people as you walked around, if you just were kind of scoping it out, you could hide yourself so they could see you were there, but it didn't turn on the that proximity chat or anything like that. It was really neat. It was a lot more fun to walk around and felt more convention kind of that flavor than I was expecting at all. Yeah, it really was. It really did absolutely feel more like a convention than I was expecting it to. Uh, They could have just sent us a database, right? Like they could have sent us a spreadsheet with like, here's the booth, here's the people at the booth, here's their Skype name, or here's their Zoom room or anything like that. And instead we were treated to a large gaming space. The proximity chat is really what did it. That was like the, that was the big stuff. The proximity chat where, you know, at one point, and I think this is after you had logged off for a little bit, 
but I was in an I was in an aisle talking with uh, Andy and Anitra from the Family Gamers, and a designer just came out of nowhere and just popped into our chat, and he was like, "Hey, normally I wouldn't intrude, but like if we were in an actual physical space, I would absolutely have intruded when I saw the two of you guys standing here," and it's absolutely true. Right. Like he saw us, he saw our usernames because both of us had mm-hmm. our blog names up at the, you know, in our usernames and which I didn't think to do. And then I saw you walking around and I was like, oh, I should probably fix that because you're And I only did better. that because I saw somebody else do that. Yeah. I saw somebody else with their uh, company name and I'm like, oh, that's brilliant because normally we go to conventions. We usually either wear the polo shirts that are branded or the hats or some kind of gear or else we've tried also going just dressed up nicely um but we usually have badges with our names on them and things like that so we are identifiable so yeah no it was really cool um actually because of the names and being able to see people walking around even if you weren't talking to them i actually got a messaged by him who's one of the people that helps to run bfig saying hey i saw you chatting with people sorry i didn't connect with you because we just never ended up having a conversation So it was really cool. Even though I never actually got in proximity with him, he, he still saw to you see walking him. around the con. Around. Like if you saw somebody across the room or down the and aisle. I, and I won't lie. I mean, what's really interesting about this gather.town is that it is a free service that you can use for up to 25 concurrent people. And I know that Linda and I and some of our other teammates have been trying to figure out, like, is there a way we could use this for, like, workshops or network events, things like that? I don't know. But this is just super – it's too cool to ignore this gather.town. And I saw after we were done, uh, I went into a Facebook group, and people were making some very bold statements about it. But, like, you know, when you're in board game space, like, you can make some pretty bold statements get away with it like the if you're not using this service for your small convention you're doing it wrong and i was like i mean i don't know that i want to go that far but i can't necessarily disagree because it was super cool and realistically you and i were able to churn through what would have taken us a whole day and we would have missed stuff and we were able to do it in a couple of hours combined which is pretty awesome it was. It was really efficient. Um, I laughed because when I first got in there, I did the same thing I do at a physical convention is I s- literally walked the perimeter, kind of got a feel for the area. I did the exact same thing in this digital space. Um, and that worked really well for me because I got an idea of just the layout of the environment they had created for us and then went around and kind of went aisle by aisle and figured out who I wanted to talk to, who had something that was of interest to our dynamic. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we don't necessarily need to see everything in conventions. That that is one thing that helps you and I is that, you know, for the most part, when we go to cons, we can be a little bit more, you know, selective. And there are some things that just are way outside of our lane. And that does save us some time. You know, I was talking to Andy and Anitra about that, and they both agree. That is one thing that our niche helps us quite a bit. You know, if I see Headshot Central in some video game area i know i'm out unless i am particularly interested in it and in a lot of cases i'm not you know i focus my headshot central and triple a land my indies tend to be the family friendly stuff so man was this cool the only thing that i didn't do that i really regret and if they do this again in the fall which i think i heard some people talking about how they might is i may just stream it 
Okay. Maybe just link up with you and we just go through and just stream the whole thing. I think that could be kind of cool. Give people that experience or at the very least, Andrew and Anitra from the Family Gamer, shout out to them. Once they went around and like kind of saw the lay of the land, they just got on one mic and went together and visited all the booths with their audio recording and just recorded a podcast and clipped out all the stuff they didn't care about, which is so smart. It was. So, and I know they like to do a lot of interviews, so that was a light, a nice way for them to incorporate that in. They do. Um, they absolutely love interviews. Every other episode with them is an interview. They do. Yep. Shout out to the Family Gamers, as always. Regularly shouting out to them. I'm going to have to find my way on their show again to talk about video games. That's like my thing. <laughs> I'm their video game correspondent. You are. It's really fun there. that you have crossed over to be their video game guy yeah and i mean i would take them as my board game guys but i don't need them because i have a board game gal already <laughs> um you have firmly firmly entrenched as our board game expert so so that's gather.town if you want to get like an idea what it is literally just go to gather.town and the very front page is like a demo of what it looks like that it, it literally that's what it looked like for us it's super rad. It's very cool. Very cool. And just stay tuned on EngageFamilyGaming.com if we do – maybe we'll do community events or something like that, kind of hanging out in that. That might be fun. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Let's talk about video – or not video games. That's next week. Next week, Amanda and I – I didn't check Amanda those out. I'm sorry. Also. <laughs> uh, you were – I didn't expect you to. Um, I thought at – my expectation of you in the video game space is that you will go look at something if I explicitly tell you that you must go do so, like right. if it's relevant to your interests. Or yep. Usually it's the teacher side. It's like, hey, yeah. I saw this cool educational thing. Please check it out. We need the teacher yes. view. It, it, they're, they're, it's usually. very laser focused. <laughs> or if you go – because you're just like super bored and you just want to see what it looks like. But I don't expect you to actually go to a booth. Um, no. <laughs> so, and that's fine, right? Who cares? Um, it's fine. We all have our niche. Because I think I dragged you into the video game one last time we went physically. I think I did drag you in there. No, it's two times ago. Last time I never even set foot in the video game building. Because <laughs> you had Evan true. and I stayed in the it's other, I, and I still ran out of time in the board game side. Yeah, it was so much to see. So huge. B-Fig. And you know what? It, it's amazing. I have not said what B-Fig is. So B-Fig is the Boston Festival of Independent Games. It's been around at this point, I think close to a decade. You know, we've been doing this a very long time. It started, it's like just this little small thing. And now it is a convent it is the one convention of every year that Linda and I will not miss unless we absolutely must. Because this is where you meet local small designers. There's student projects because it's affiliated with a lot of the game design programs at local schools like MIT. And it actually used to be at MIT. Now it's at a different school. It is such a fun environment. And they have a video game side and they have a board game side. And usually Linda and I just go and divide and conquer. And that's what we did here. So for the board game. So you're, you're doing the heavy, a lot of the heavy lifting this episode. I'm just kind of interviewing you. <laughs> that you, works. Next week I'll have to do some heavy work, you know, work in myself. You said that you had kind of like two globs of notes. One being the games that are new that you had never seen. And then you had some updates on games that we have seen before and maybe some people who had previously been guests on the show, et cetera. Why don't we do right. the updates first? Let's sure. talk about some uh, of the updates be. from former guests, et cetera, and then we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Sounds good. So the first update I wanted to give, and I know this is somebody we've talked about before, the Mission to Planet Hex team 
specifically James from that group. Publisher, it, they're called Move Rate 20. The game is Mission to Planet Hex. And so James uh, basically has been trying, has been promoting this game as a prototype for, I feel like it's been at least two years. I feel like I've seen him at every local convention. He's always promoting Mission to Planet Hex. He is such a nice guy, always fun to talk to. And okay. with everything going on with Fire Nation attacking, they still wanted to move forward with their project. So the Mission to Planet Hex game was successfully funded on Kickstarter in August. And okay. it is currently in manufacture. And one thing I found out when I was chatting with James is that I am quoted on the Kickstarter page. Wow, how about that? Did not know. So, yeah, apparently we talked about Mission to Planet Hex way back on episode 143. Wow. And, yeah. Well, that's two years and ago. That's insane. So, yeah, so that's how long this game has been in our um, on our radar. And so he actually cited some quotes from that episode, cited me as talking about the game and, and praising it from our podcast. So I thought that was really kind of cool to find out. That is that, pretty uh, cool. Yeah, little fun fact. And this is the fun thing, talking to designers and people that are, you know, working on their game in the trenches with it is that you can be impactful on it in such a meaningful way, mm -hmm. which is just really neat. It is one of the things we really like about going to these small teams and meet, you know, because some some of these projects would never see the light of the day, light of day without Kickstarter or without support from the content creator community. And we don't do a lot of Kickstarter stuff, but when we do, we really do focus on uh, making sure that we help make games that wouldn't necessarily see the light of day get made. You know, we right. really try and focus our efforts on smaller games that are like that just need a little bit of help. Um, you know, we're not going right. to be doing Kickstarter previews for like cool mini or not games. <laughs> you know, no, so, we're not quite at the caliber for that. Yeah, exactly. So that's Mission to Planet Hex. So when is that going to Kickstarter? So the Kickstarter successfully funded in August. So it's closed. Oh, okay. It's done. It's in manufacturing right now. Oh, okay. I so thought... he made it to the next level. Yeah, I know. Awesome. I know you've had a week so far, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This week, everybody listening, wish the general luck. She started grad school today. So I'm I'm married to a college chick. Um, and, uh, Which also means you have the college stress. Remember the college stress? <laughs> um, no, because it was forever ago. It was forever ago. However, uh, she's going back uh, to be uh, a librarian which I think is very That's cool. So uh, I am sure she is going to do fine. But even when you do fine, you still got to deal with the shenanigans. So it it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah, it's going to be, oh, it's going to be a ton, but we'll be all right. She'll be okay. She's smart. She is. I believe. She'll be great. Absolutely. So, but at the end result of that is yes, it has been one heck of a week. Okay. So that is right. Mission to Planet X. What other updates do we have? Okay, so I just have a quick update from the Runaway Parade team. That is the group that puts out Fire Tower and yeah. the newest. Uh, so we have Fire Tower. We love it. I did a preview, and we talked to them about their expansion, uh, Rising Flames. So mm -hmm. that is now in production. So the Rising Flames expansion is now in production. They are working on refining the prototypes from the manufacturer. Okay. Um, and they got to tell me a funny story. So they have this one element uh, there's one component in the game and it's 
I don't know. If they were holding it up to the camera. It looked like it was like an inch and a half diameter, like flame that came to a peak. And they said that the first prototype that came from the factory of this element was so sharp, it was dangerous, and they had to go back to the manufacturer and have them smooth the top out a bit so it wouldn't be dangerous. <laughs> it was like a weapon, practically. So that was the funny story they provided for. Was it a flame? It was a fl yeah. It was like the the flames coming up and it had like a circular bottom and it came to a kind of peak with the flames. Yeah, it was so, basically a knife. Cool. Basically a it plastic basi knife. Basically, it would easily puncture a foot if you stepped on it. So oh. they have refined it so that it's no longer an issue. <laughs> yeah, oh, man, and I was I like, hurt. I yeah, hurt that hurts to think about. Thinking about exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it was fun chatting with gwen and sam um and they are playing around it was fun we chatted a little bit about um other things that are in the hopper for them with ideas right now they have just some fledgling ideas completely different from fire tower so mm -hmm. i'm excited to see where that evolves because fire tower was six years and like to this point has been six years since they started on the fire tower project wow. so yeah, yeah it's it's been a while i did talk to them i talked to them i think after you did and okay. uh, one of the things I talked to them about is, you know, wanting to get them on the show more often just because, you know, we, we love talking to them. Obviously, they're great. But the idea of um, you know, having them talk about not Fire Tower would be interesting because, you know, every time they come on, it's, you know, Fire you're shilling their, yep. pro their one product, which is fine. It's something that we love. We have a review for it. And we've, you know, been very vocal about our admiration for that game. But they, they're working on other stuff and they do other stuff. So I thought it would be kind of interesting to uh, have them on there for that. Absolutely. Um, no, they're so great to talk to. Yeah. Um, so the, having the expansion of Fire Tower coming out is uh, yep, pretty So that's in production. And they deal. were saying everything's taking longer. And they tried to budget more time in the promise they made out to the people that backed them on Kickstarter. Yeah. But they're still running into even more challenges, which I think is completely unavoidable. Like, the best laid plans are just, you know, I you mean, can't account for everything. Like, it's just so crazy right The Fire Nation attacking is it ruining is. all sorts of stuff. Everything. I, there are definitely a ton of Kickstarters that are all messed up. Right. But so. it's still moving forward just a little slower than they were hoping. But it's still moving sure. forward, which is good. Speaking of moving forward, another one to talk about is Jeff Johnson. So we've been watching one of his prototypes evolve over, I think it's like a year and a half now, barely asleep. And mm -hmm. he wasn't satisfied. It wasn't the right feel. It, something wasn't quite clicking with it for him. Mm -hmm. Well, it's made a huge change. And it's gone from a bear theme to a Jack and the Beanstalk theme. So it's a similar gameplay that he took pretty much the same gameplay concept, but mm -hmm. he just reskinned it with a different theme. And it seems like it's working so much better for him. Um, like it was one of those, like it just, it was kind of working, but he was still tinkering with it because it just wasn't right. So now it's in a late stage of development. Things really seem to come together with it. He's got the harp moving around the perimeter of the board, which used to be a bear bouncing on the bed. So it's evolved mm -hmm. to a harp traveling around to the different giants. And he actually has a little mini game at the end where the, you have to travel down the beanstalk. So he's really dove okay. into the, the Jack and the Beanstalk theme. So that was really cool to see a game completely shift themes over the yeah. the evolution of the game so that was really cool and uh, the last update is for that's wizard so matthew Sorrenti sorrentino he actually had tried to launch this a few months back and it just wasn't 
things just weren't working in a way he was satisfied with. So he decided to cancel the Kickstarter. He found out he, there's more he wants to learn. He's working on refining it so he can get the best product out. Um, he's actually, it was just a two-player game. He's working on developing a four-player mode as well as a solo mode. And then he's planning okay. to relaunch that once he gets it to a point where he's more satisfied with the product. So, okay. um, yeah, no, I mean, it sounds like he's really trying to make that just perfect. So That sounds awesome that's to me. Been, yeah, I was actually excited it's, that now it's going to be four-player plus having a solo mode. That makes that game so much more appealing. Yeah, and what, what what's really interesting is considering everything that has changed with the kind of externals of the Harry Potter franchise. In the beginning, when this was getting pitched, we thought that it was kind of a downside that it was Harry Potter, but not Harry Potter and didn't have the license, right? Like that was right. something that could hurt it. Now, I feel like that's one of its strengths because exactly. losing the Harry Potter branding means you lose some of the baggage from dealing with some of J.K. Rowling's shenanigans. And I'm just going to refer to them as shenanigans. If you don't know what I mean, Google it. You'll know why people are disappointed. I find that part really interesting is that it's kind of come full circle where before it was something he had to explain away and deal with it. And now it's like, hey, check it out. You want you want the theme. You want the flavor. But you want not but that. Not Mm -hmm. Boom, here you go. There it is. Uh, I think Absolutely. that is one of when that because it, it, eventually it's going to come back to Kickstarter again. And I am definitely going to be shouting that specific thing from the mountaintops like, hey, here's Harry Potter like stuff that does not involve Harry Potter. Have fun, yeah, folks. And actually, he even said he'd love to come chat with us, too. So maybe we can get him as a guest. Oh, we should definitely get him on. Absolutely. That sounds yeah, great. No, he was definitely interested in that. He was lovely to talk to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm any other be, updates for us? That was that was it for my news updates. Those are the big four that I got to catch up with some old friends. Okay. Awesome. So and you know speak. what's interesting is I actually have not ever I don't think I've actually ever spoken to Matt because all the shows that he has been at, I know there was one where I was like I was not feeling very well, and that's one where I would have mm. had an opportunity to talk to him. That's right. You went home but, yeah, I went a day that you didn't or something like that. And so you ended up talking to him. I, I'm not going to lie. Mm -hmm. I was – it was the weirdest thing uh, that day. I, right. I, it is, I have not felt like that in ever. I have a great respect for this game, and I am excited about it. And, I really, you know, you knew me. I love card battling games. Right. And so I love the idea – and I love the idea of four-player combat for that. That sounds awesome. I can't wait to get that to the table and, like, you know, beat up on our kids in it. <laughs> That's gonna be great, but I've just never spoken to him. I don't. I don't even know what his voice sounds like. It's so crazy oh, to funny. just think about that, because it's just. And he you know. taught me how to play it with my sister when we when my sister w went to Bfig with us two years ago, mm -hmm. three years ago. I know. I don't know. It feels like forever. A long time ago. ago. Time is. A it feels like forever. It is. It really is. When we went and she had joined us, Matt taught her and I to play. And here are, we are. Two of us had had no idea how to play a card battling game, and mm -hmm. he got us playing by ourselves it was great you know what i remember the episode where we talked about that that you mm -hmm. learned a card battling game and that you actually and not only did you and learn I liked it, it but that you <laughs> liked it and i was like what that was like the sales pitch you were like hey check this out yeah. card battling game that i actually want to play again and i was like no because <laughs> no. that's not really my flavor of game but i this one i like I know. Well, listen, I get it. It's crazy. All right, so those are the updates. 
those are four really good updates to learn more yeah. of this stuff. And obviously all of those are people who we will likely have on the show at some point, um, which will be a whole lot of fun. Um, what about the new stuff, though? People want new hotness. We do want some new hotness. Most of the new hotness is not out yet, though. Most of these are coming to Kickstarter. I do have rough estimates for when they're coming. That's I fine. think only one of them... I'm just looking down my notes really quick. I think only one of them is actually out in the wild. Um, and actually, I'll start with that one. So the first, actually, this happened to be the first booth I went to in the board game section. Um, and it's called Yes Broccoli. And the publisher okay. is Gangway Games. So this is actually out. If you go to the Gangway Games website, you can purchase it. And it's also the only game that I found that was for littler kids. So it's for six and up, two to okay. five players. It is a bidding card game you are trying to bid for the healthiest food and there's specialty cards that allow you to do different special things take do extra draws do mm -hmm. different you know basically like have the special abilities um it's actually been out since 2019 so it's not brand brand new but it's relatively new it was self-published um so it's definitely something he's just trying to promote um, and it looked really adorable the artwork's really well done um which is something that I always look for with a game, especially self-published, it can be hard to get a quality artist and the art looks great. And, you know, just the little demo that he was able to give showing it um, on the tabletop simulator was really cute. It looks really nice. Okay. So, Man, tabletop that was simulator part... was another thing that yeah. really came in handy here, being able to see digital versions of all these games. Yeah, that was one thing that, it, it was a really nice thing to get a flavor for the game with tabletop simulator. I'm very old school though. Like it's to me, it's just, it's not the same as having the cards in your hand. And I know we're doing the best we can with the tools in front of us at the time. Um, so it's, I feel it's a little hard to talk about some of these physical games when we're only seeing them virtually. This is fair. Um, but this is fair. Yeah. Kind of like everything right now. It's not the same in the virtual space, but you do the best you can. Um, so that yeah. was Yes Broccoli. There's not a ton to say about it. Again, I didn't actually play it. We just kind of was shown the game. Um, I actually went to their website and checked it out. I mean, it looks really fun. Something just to keep an eye on if you're looking for that style. You don't see a lot of bidding with for the younger kids. So it's a nice way to get that style of game out sure. a little younger. So that one looks Absolutely. pretty cool. Um, another one that I thought was really neat looking, and this one is coming to Kickstarter probably the fall. They're thinking October-ish. Okay. It's called Steam Up, A Feast of Dim Sun. Dim Sun. Okay. Um, and the publisher's Hot Banana Games. So this is a set collection game. Um, they're listing, as, listing it at 14 plus, but when I was talking to the, the uh, people at the booth, they were telling me it typically scales down to about age 10. So that it sounds like they're listing it as 14 plus just for the simplicity of not dealing with toy components for the age and not having to meet those requirements for it being for children. Um, mm -hmm. But they did say it, it's something that is approachable a little bit younger. So the way this game works, there are 12 different animal character cards, and you would choose one of those characters to play. And so you get special abilities and kind of win conditions to a point. And then there's a bank of five actions. You choose two of those per turn. And mm -hmm. it's really neat looking. This was another one on Tabletop Simulator um, that I got to take a look at. And... They went through a turn and how it can look going around. And it's just, it was really interesting. It's a neat flavor for it. Definitely had the the dim sum theme 
really well and all the components and it looks like the physical game because i went to their video too and watched that has just like the little plastic components for each of the food types that you're trying to gather in the little vessels and it was really cute made me hungry too. sure (laughs) games about food sometimes that like i really enjoy them but sometimes and it's what's funny is video games don't normally do this. Like I can cook in like Legend of Zelda and it doesn't make me hungry. But like board games about food never fail to make me hungry. And I don't know why that is. The only video game that's ever made me hungry is Final Fantasy 15. That game literally <laughs> made me hungry because the food that that guy cooks is just it looks so freaking good. It just looks so good. And but board games when I'm sitting at a table playing a pizza drafting game or something like I just can't not maybe it's just because it's you know social and I think about eating when I'm like around people maybe I don't know really good that's actually a neat thing to explore maybe um our EFG psychologist can help us out with the psychology behind why the social piece of it is making when video games don't (laughs) yeah why do board games make me so freaking hungry thank you I need to know this. I guess I don't really need to know, but it'll I bet be, it'd be a psychological thing behind it, though. I bet you. I'm sure there's some shenanigans. You are right. There is. There is. All right. Um, the next thing coming out is this is actually one we're in contact with um, the team for this game, the Quest Quests and Cannons by Short Hop Games. Uh, so they're looking at a Kickstarter around September. The game is, they're, they're thinking between ages 10 to 12 for a, a playability level for okay. it. And this is one that um, we've actually been in contact trying to get a, we're going to see about getting a demo copy so that we can explore it and check it out in person, which will be really neat. Yeah. That's going to be, so, we're seeing about getting ourselves included in the preview in train for one of their, yes. um, one of their demo copies, which is kind of a, a neat little, you know, honor to be included when that stuff happens to be I'm one kind of, of a excited because we've never been in the demo train. Like if we get a demo, we get the demo. I have, at least maybe you have, but um, I have, I have been where been. I've got, you have been in the demo train. This would be the Three first times. demo train for me where I've got a finite window i've got to play it in and then pass it to the next person mm-hmm. so that'll be interesting yep absolutely um, gonna be a whole yeah. lot of fun yeah it looks really neat um yes. something that i think if if we can uh <laughs> manage to to get it when the weather's warm maybe we could even sit on the porch and actually play it in person together yeah maybe maybe that would be a whole lot of fun maybe maybe by um, then i'll have right. a vaccine too <laughs> maybe maybe who knows uh we don't know when they're sending it to us so what else is there so that okay w- there are a few more right there's only i have two more and they are publishers we know so this this actually should it might have been with the updates too but they're new games um so Tidbit Games, which is the makers of Crumb, which we saw at Bfig in the past, mm-hmm. um, they are doing a new game called Heave Ho, and it's an engine building. So I was thinking of you as soon as I said engine building. It's yeah. a three-dimensional game of pirates digging for treasure. So it's using four by four by four tiles. Okay. A tile grid, excuse me, tile grid. And basically, through your actions in the game, you're digging out you're kind of going through the layers and revealing the treasure underneath so your goal is to get to the treasure and then head back to your ship and what's really cool like it sounds like there's a lot going on but they said it plays in less than an hour which that's fantastic like a lot of times if a game takes more than an hour it's a bit too much of an investment of time 
um, for us. So to have mm -hmm. it be under an hour, and they said age is about 10, 10 plus. So okay, that sounds kind of cool. And we know they yeah. know how to make a game. So they know. Rum did really, really well. That was one. I think it even won some recognition at a previous Beefig, if I'm remembering correctly. I believe so. Yes. Um, I'm just looking to see if I've got a date on when that's coming out. Kickstarter late summer is their goal. Okay. And then the last one I've got for upcoming, our fr our friends at Lay Waste Game have something new coming. Oh, they um, do. Something called. And they are so they prolific. They are. And they do such a great job. Uh, they and this is coming very soon. Their Kickstarter they're shooting for March, and the game okay. is called Heads Will Roll. And this is a dexterity game in the world of Dragoon, and it is a game that the dragons would be playing amongst themselves. So I'm not going to okay. lie, Steve. I'm going to do a deep cut right here. I had flashbacks to our LARP when we yeah. had the game within the game, um, and. It just, it made me laugh so much because we had that same concept in our LARP. We had the bigger world, we played our game, but there was a sub game to it that was sort of like in the lore, yep. uh, which was really kind of fun. Um, but anyway, so this dexterity, Heads Will Roll, it is a flicking game and you're going to be creating doorways and you have to flick these skulls through. Mm -hmm. It's dragon, so it makes sense they're playing with skulls. And it just sounds so fun. I mean, dexterity yeah. games are... I'm not very good at them, but this sounds. I've like actually fun. played this game. No, you have not. I have. How did I miss this? Um, well, because it was at PAX East, and you weren't that would there. Be I didn't get to go there. And they were selling it there. Uh, they had made. Uh, they had made it with, essentially, my understanding is they had made it with like extra parts. Like they had made like a certain number of them, with extra parts from Dragoon. You know, from a, a press, a printing of that. Or something like that. I'm not sure. I know it was related to that. It was a very limited run thing. And I was like, man, I should buy this because it was only like $13 or something. And by the time I came over there with like 13 bucks cash to get it, gone. they were gone. So uh, the fact that coming this is to coming to Kickstarter or something, pretty excited about that. This is one of those games I don't want people to sleep on. This is, um, you know, we'll obviously share it out onto our socials and things like that as, you know, when it goes on to Kickstarter. Um, you know, this isn't something that we would do a preview of because it is so easy and so simple. We might, if we if they end up sending us a copy or something like that, we might do like a little video showing you how to play it. Um, but it is... You know what it felt like? It felt like playing um, like paper football, you know, where okay. like you fold the paper, you fold the football up mm -hmm. and, you know, you're trying to flick it through the uprights. It It's different because you are flicking in between skulls that are already on the table. Like you throw the bones and it makes like a, a, a okay. playing field, almost like dungeon drop. But the difference here is you're trying to create like a goal for you to kick your skull through to earn points and it's just super cool it's so fun i played it i think like 15 times because i just kept coming back and just messing around with it or like i would be there and rob kalajian from a pawn's perspective would be there messing around and i would stop and i would play a game against him you know because it's so low-key and so fast i'm excited about that i didn't know that they were doing anything more with it i thought it was like a one convention thing like we're just getting rid of some parts and we made a little game but it's super mm -hmm. rad that it's gonna i mean i guess why if you can print money well, that's what this Why is. Not? They already, they got the concept out. I'm sure they refined it a bit more from what you saw. 
And yeah, it's coming to Kickstarter in two months, roughly. Yeah, that's going to be great. We will be sure to share all of that. Absolutely. So that's it. You know what? That's it. That's what I got. That's not bad. It's a decent number of games. You know, short episodes are fine. Everybody, this is our <laughs> B-Fig episode of the Engage Family Gaming Podcast. We're here to, you know, there's no need for fluff and filler. That's the, the quick hits. Some updates on some projects from before. Some new ones to keep your eye on, and we will have many of them on the show as time goes on. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed listening as much as Linda and I enjoyed recording. Uh, Next week, Amanda and I will be here for episode 250 to talk about – part of it will obviously be talking about – the video games that we saw at Beefig, of which there were several that I really enjoyed, but then also to reflect very briefly on the 250 episode history of the Engage Family Gaming podcast, because let me tell you, uh, this means we've been doing this for almost five years. Wow, that's insane to think of. So yeah, it's gonna be time. It's gonna be time. So uh, I keep thinking like, wow, that's a lot, and it is. There's no question about that. But what's really crazy is Gamertag Radio, which is another podcast. Towards the end of last year, celebrated their 1,000th episode. Wow. Which is a very big deal. And what was so cool about it is they actually they got Phil Spencer, the the president of Xbox, to come on their show. I can say with certainty we're not gonna have any huge guests like that. Uh, but maybe, maybe for episode 300, maybe. Um, so (laughs) everybody, thank you very much for listening and thank you for your support. Before I go, I do have one favor, head on over and leave us a a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to us on. We're going to be making a big push for reviews between now and the end of the year. We're hoping to get as many as we possibly can. So if you have not reviewed us before, please do so. If you have reviewed us before, review us on a different platform. (laughs) <laughs> it would do it would be a huge help for us to make sure that we are seen and we're going to put out some tools to help people know how to do that if you don't know so just be ready so everybody have a good week we will be back next time and until then don't forget to get your family game on we'll see y'all soon bye bye